Don't you need? And uh, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Still not used to my brand new bunker. It's uh, still echoey. Shiny. Echo. <laughs> I can hear the voices in my head again. It's uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Anyways, uh, what are we talking about today, Sinead? <laughs> okay, so we are talking about a thing that I only found out very recently and uh, was then able to expand into an entire theory is the fact that Breaking Bad, the TV show, and High School Musical, the high school musicals, both take place in the same town. Really? Yes, really. They take place in Albuquerque, New Mexico. (laughs) Sorry, I just immediately thought I I should have turned left at Albuquerque. Um, (laughs) Anytime somebody mentions it, I'm instantly (laughs) Bugs Bunny. But I was unaware that that uh, that that takes place in the same country. The same way. there's a level in House Flipper as well that you can redo the house from Breaking Breaking Bad. Oh. Yeah. So apparently House Flipper is uh, set in Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> over. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um. No. What What's kind of funny here is like Breaking Bad is obviously such a gritty show. And the High School Musical films always have this kind of sheen of really weird, plasticky, kind of uncanny valley-ness to them. That they have... Not even even as, like... I mean, I've seen a lot of the Disney original films, uh, unfortunately. popular musical christian bale was in it and he was like he he looks about 15 in it um and that was very popular with teenage girls for reasons um but that was one of the first things he directed and then he went on to direct uh the first high school musical which if you will remember was a massive phenomenon it was oh, a- it really was it was huge it was like twilight before twilight twilighted yeah, I, I think it was like the precursor to Twilight for a lot of girls who were of the right age to go from High School yeah. Musical to Twilight. Um, but like High School Musical came out in 2006. Um, yeah. So were you the right age for this? No. You were I older. Was not. I was about maybe 15 in 2006. And uh, wait, was I? I don't yeah. know. This is your life. This is your life. Um, yeah, I was, about, I was about 16, 15, 16. And I was really emo at that stage. So I wouldn't have been into anything that was joyous. So, so you're probably very weirded out the, then a couple of years later when you went to a party at my house and I made you watch High School Musical 2 so that we could play a drinking game. We got so drunk. <laughs> so very drunk. Um, now, the... I have a bit of a weird history with High School Musical because around the time it came out, I was working in childcare. 
Uh, and I wasn't actually working with girls at the time. I was working with a family who had three boys. Uh, but I was still doing some every now and then again um, child minding with girls. And so I knew of High School Musical because the merch was absolutely everywhere. But I, for a long time, I never saw the first one. It was The second one was the one that I saw first because we were living in, myself and my housemate at the time, we were living in a house that only had three channels on TV. And High School Musical came on one of the channels and we sort of watched it just transfixed with how weird it was. <laughs> but that one is, it's my favorite of the High School Musicals for reasons that I'll get into now. Um, it's the one that's the most fun to watch. But where my theory here comes in is that they do indeed take place in the same universe to a degree. Because what I think is that High School Musical is entirely a meth-induced hallucina hallucination of Jesse Pinkman's. <laughs> it definitely makes you feel like you're on meth when you, when you watch it. So I could 100% get behind this theory. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, speaking of a person, as a person who has never been on meth, um, contrary to what my Google history might make you think. <laughs> I would actually dread to see your Google history. I bet you you're on some form of watch list. Well, given that the last theory had me googling uh, all all of the ways that natural disasters could be induced, <laughs> and then this week is um, what does a meth-induced hallucination look like? Is it fun? I, I would not imagine so. It doesn't seem like a fun time. <laughs> well, listen, there's a reason people keep doing it, obviously. Um, but I mean, I have had to take a lot of medication over the years for various medical complaints and what i definitely know is that certain drugs that you have to take give you some really funky dreams i mean mm. you, you see some pretty cool colors you smell some very interesting scents you know you things start crawling up walls and you start trying to talk them from coming down yeah i suffer fairly badly with night terrors so um, anytime I overheat when I'm when I'm trying to sleep, I literally hallucinate, and uh, I've had some wild hallucinations that uh, ended up me punching my ex boyfriend in the face once because <laughs> I overheated so much. I thought he was like trying to attack me, and I just punched him in the face. Um, <laughs> he was asleep and did not appreciate that. <laughs> I, I I'll bet, yeah, absolutely. Um, but to kind of put this to um to connect the dots here so walter white the high school that he teaches at and the high school that jesse studied at it's called jp Wynn high school and jesse himself was born in 1984 which puts him in around the same age as me um which means that he graduated between the years of 2002 and 2003 and he did graduate there's um evidence of that in the series so he definitely made it all the way through school. He's about 23 when the series starts properly. Um, now, High School Musical being made in 2006, it does not look 2006 to me. And I have, I have memories of 2006. In particular, I remember the things that I wore in 2006. Um, it was a very neon time. <laughs> it was, it was. It was a very... Um, 
what was really really weird was um like the things that you saw people wearing the the juicy juicy couture track suits and the a-line yeah the velour yeah the a-line dresses the big peasant skirts with the really chunky belts and every studs yeah everybody had the, the stud belts yeah and lots of denim wasn't that around the time that like britney spears wore that iconic outfit with justin timberlake with the the that that was situation that was slightly earlier i think that was 2004 so that was kind of the fade over into like i mean this is splitting hairs here the difference between the fashion in 2002 to 2006 is not huge but there are certain things that are very remarkable and one thing i really remember in 2002 being a thing was you got those triangle ends to your tops and to your skirts and you got a lot of embroidered denim yeah yeah completely that was a 2002 thing it sort of faded away by 2006 and everybody was back to just kind of normal denim but there was a lot of kind of wearing things with ugg boots um oh yeah gosh that was a bad time uh, i had completely forgotten about the existence of ugg boots and now i'm haunted oh <laughs> okay listen there's nothing wrong with ugg boots i love ugg boots they're so comfortable and they make you look comfortable as well and it's always nice to see somebody who looks like they're comfortable but not sloppy and that was the big thing with ugg boots i actually you know controversial but i think it was a good look um i'm sorry we cannot be friends anymore <laughs> and, uh, listen i think you, you were probably one of these people who wore a trilby at this point in time i did not you know, but back when people thought that uh, a fedora was a trilby and vice versa. No, I I did not. I was not one of those type of people. I had a bear hat. That's fair. <laughs> Which I still had into my late 20s. Well, in my notes, it does say lots of trilbies and other weird hats. Oh, I called myself out. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, but the, that's like when you look at high school musical the fashion does not look 2006 it looks 2002 now that's a disney thing because if you look at things like you know hannah montana all the other disney films they have this look where everything is kind of strained towards the fashion but it's also a little dated everybody's wearing multiple layers of things and they're always really brightly colored so it's never quite fashionable because it's all geared towards you know small kids isn't like high school musical very bright red yeah there's a lot of red because yeah because the wildcats color is uh red and white um which is very very silly but i mean they have designers that work on this so these designers were able to replicate things that people were wearing in 2006 but for whatever reason they decided to skew it more towards 2002 maybe they just thought that that was more appropriate for a disney production um but here's where it gets really weird is the technology like you see um you do see gabriella's phone at one point and that is straight 2002 because i had almost the exact same phone like at that point they were kind of moving into the whole phones that look a bit like the early smartphones where they were just kind of small bricks but you remember before that mobile phones used to have an antenna coming off of them this oh, one yeah yeah the, the chunky antenna yeah i remember those although one of my first phones that i ever had was the motorola razor 
Oh, wow. I was, I was fancy like that. I had and, one, uh, too. Yeah, what a great phone. <laughs> but, like, that didn't have an antenna, I don't think. No, it didn't. It didn't, because uh, um, that phone, that was one of the kind of... That's when they were edging kind of out of the regular phones going more towards what the smartphones would eventually be so they were taking off all of the bits that they didn't need anymore but um the, the chunky antennas those were you know i had one of them from the first phones i got up until i got the razor so you know when you see gabriella's phone that is a 2002 phone is that just an American thing, though? Because I know that their phones were slightly behind, like, European phones for a while. No. Could it just be an American thing? No, because I don't think it was hers either. You do see kind of bits and pieces where you see people working on laptops and they've got webcams and things. They all look straight 2002 as well. Huh. You know, at the okay. very latest, you might say 2004. But then again, if this is a hallucination, I mean, this is taking place in somebody's brain. This is a person reminiscing about that, about this in 2006. He's reminiscing about the thing that he did in 2002 and the, the people he used to know when, in 2002 the and, good the, old times. and the things they had. Um, but here's the thing, right? It, like... You'd wonder, well, why is he hallucinating an entire musical? You know, why are people just randomly breaking into song and nobody's commenting on it? Um, you notice in the very first film, they never really give an explanation as to what the musical they're supposed to be staging is. Like, it seems to be a kind of a West Side Story type of thing. Yeah, it's very vague. Like, it's nothing that you could discern as like, oh, they're doing this musical it's just a vague concept of a musical yeah and then when they do the auditions they disqualify an awful lot of very talented people and that's suspicious for plot not no because again this is a hallucination so you know they they frame it in the film as if you know this girl comes up and she does a perfect opera aria very well sung if you know anything about opera you know that she's doing a good job so she would absolutely be able to sing the absolute hell out of any musical you give her. But the teacher is like, no, we don't, that's not what we want here. And then she's gone. But this is being seen from the perspective of somebody who doesn't like opera. So, of course, he's going to go, oh, that's crap. Kind yeah, because if you were an actual caster and somebody went up and sung opera, you'd be like, hot damn, somebody can sing opera. Because it's very impressive if you know what goes into the actual opera and all the voice controls and all that goes into it like you would know an awful lot of that because i know you you sing yourself yeah a little bit i opera trained for a while um and i've gone back on it now for a little bit but it's supposedly it's very good for your lung capacity if you've got any kind of breathing problems opera training will actually help regulate your breathing it takes a oh. huge amount of talent and even if you don't like opera if you are if you were in the same room as somebody who was able to actually belt out an aria because opera of course was made during a time before microphones but it was made to be sung to a huge amount of people so those people had to act as their own microphones which is the way it's it's why it sounds the way it sounds so if you don't really know anything about opera and you just think oh well this person is singing in a weird way and um, then of course yeah you're going to dismiss them and of course you know this is a 23 year old guy 
who and this is happening in his head of course he's not going to like opera or appreciate it for what it is but the fact that it is in a musical form would be relatively accurate for jesse because he was in a band as the drummer he was actually yeah yeah so he's dreaming in musical form but he's discounting actual talent he's going with you know people who who he knew who sang and whose voices he liked kind of thing so it's not coming from any kind of professional it's just coming from his own personal biases um but anyway yeah so we don't know what musical they're actually auditioning for what's really weird then again is that the um the, the antagonist charpay um which is the name of a dog but that's... it is. I was literally just about to say it's not the type of like the real wrinkly dogs. Yes, that's a, a sharpe is um a a very wrinkly dog, beautiful dogs, but not a name that you'd ever want to give people. But she's supposed to like the, there's a real disconnect between the person she is portrayed as and the person that she actually seems to be because she is a massive musical theater nerd. And yet she's kind of portrayed as the typical snobbish rich girl. Yeah, well, a lot of people who don't understand theatre or opera or that would consider it a very snooty thing. Like you'd imagine, oh, off to the opera for the evening. And it's, <laughs> you'd assume it's a very pompous thing if you didn't actually know theatre that well. I suppose so, so if yeah. So seeing it as just an outside thing... He would, like, over somebody that wouldn't know theatre, he'd see theatre and musicals as being someone like Sharpay would be into them because they're fancy. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, like, it's so funny because her and her brother reference a whole bunch of musicals. Um, in particular, in the third film, they reference the Rockettes. And huh. yeah, so, I mean, when I think of theatre kids, I don't think of snobs. I think of real alternative people. Like, I could imagine um, if there was any kind of a theatre scene, you would have been on it. Yeah, I actually got to play in a Grease musical when oh. I was in, in school. Nice! <laughs> who, who were you? Were you one of the pink ladies? I was not. I was the principal. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I wasn't pretty enough to be one of the pink ladies, okay? Oh, but I was great. <laughs> <laughs> you were a star. <laughs> oh, okay yeah but it just seems like almost sharp a is two different people that have been smushed into one person yeah that's kind of where i'm getting that from is that you know maybe the likes of troy and gabriella these were people that uh jesse knew but in order to cast an antagonist against them he knew that they auditioned for the musical and he knew that uh, Gabrielle apparently had some friction with a rich girl, is that he sort of smushed them into the same character kind of thing, you know? And it, there's this weird blending kind of thing that you do when you, you're thinking back on the people that you used to know and you realise that you're actually thinking of two different people that you've somehow conflated to be one person. Yeah, like when you sometimes try and think about like a location from your childhood... And it ends up that you're thinking of two separate places, but you think it's the one place because your memory's a little hazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, something like that. But then there's also, you know, Sharpay's brother. So obviously, incredibly gay, you know, <laughs> obviously. But 
They could they didn't say it. Nobody made any kind of mention. For whatever reason, they seemed like they were like shipping him with the piano girl. Because it's Disney. But not only that, but I think because Jesse himself is very very straight, it's just like he couldn't pick up on it. He's got he's one of those people that has a non-existent gaydar. In that he saw all the little personality quirks, he saw how flamboyant he was, he saw basically all of this gay coding and just didn't recognize it for what it was. Not fam, he must be into theater. <laughs> yeah, he's theatrical. Or it's like back in the 1940s when they used to, um, they used a code word for, you know, is this guy gay? They'd say, is he musical? Yeah, uh, Rock Hudson actually talked about it. Um, uh, but anyway, sorry, moving on. Um, there's one of the greatest scenes, and you'll it's blink and you'll miss it. But the whole scene in the second film, when the brother is on the outs with his sister, and he goes off and he just kind of sulks by himself, and then he's kind of invited to play uh, baseball with the the rest of the 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 heteronormative people <laughs> and that whole scene with them playing basketball or sorry not basketball baseball is the weirdest most sexually tense thing <laughs> between troy's best friend and the gay brother like it is literally coded with all of the subtlety of just putting up a sign that says these guys are gay but then after that whole scene after the song is over and you know they cut away to do a thing and then they cut back to them the gay brother and the troy's best friend are wearing each other's clothes (laughs) doesn't that happen in the second one it does happen in the second one that's what i'm talking about oh yeah sorry I got confused there for a moment, but that was actually, I remember when we watched it that we just burst out laughing at just how unsubtle it was as you're coming out of a changing room wearing somebody else's clothes and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that is two, two bros six feet apart because they're not gay no <laughs> Yeah, it's, um. But, again, if you are taking this from the viewpoint of somebody that has absolutely no gaydar at all, then it makes sense. It's just like, so I knew these guys, and then there was friction, and then they played baseball, and uh, then the next time I saw them, uh, they were eating hot dogs. But it seems to... They worked up a sweat, and but it's to change. <laughs> but it's like he subliminally remembered them wearing each other's clothes, but just didn't really pick up 100% on it. So it is just a little subliminal thing that slid in there. What an odd thing to come up when you're having a meth-induced hallucination. But sure, sure, why not? Listen, I have, um, I've had weirder things happen in dreams. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, do you know what? There, there was a dream that I had one time, which was an entire Bollywood production. Oh God, wow. except i was in a wheelchair and in order for me to do the final number they had to pull me up a set of stairs in the wheelchair with barge poles heavily decorated barge poles um was this around the time that you were actually in a wheelchair 
No, it wasn't. It was several years before that. Was it a premonition? Were you around anybody with barge poles at the time? <laughs> was I watching a lot of Bollywood films at the time? I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was an omen of things to come. I have not been in a Bollywood production yet. 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 You never know where, where life will go. It's a strange time. It's 2020. <laughs> Uh, okay anyway moving on from that uh so yeah weird things happen in hallucinations and there's little subliminal cues there i mean when you get into the whole dream interpretation thing the symbols that you see in your dreams never quite what you understand it's like when you see yourself losing teeth in a dream it's usually a sign that you're worried about money kind of thing is it yeah It's like, and if you see a frog, a frog is a really good look. So, you know, like, it's, oh, what was I about to say? I had a train of thought and it pulled out of the station. So, sorry about that. <laughs> it, it's derailed. Many people were killed. Because I was trying to, I did a lot of uh, dream interpretation when I was younger because, like, I have incredibly vivid dreams like shockingly vivid dreams and uh i tried to figure out a lot of them like flying is supposed to be about like aspirations or something yeah and uh failure to fly is like if you're trying to fly and you can't is that you're not living up to your own expectations and stuff like that so yeah and then um appearing naked in a dream is that you're you're worried that some secret of yours is going to be exposed that kind of thing so never it's... use the dream toilet <laughs> if you ate a marshmallow you wake up and your pillow is missing Okay, where were we? Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Basketball. Basketball, it's a dirty word. We need to censor it. <laughs> no, um, no, what's really weird about this story is, it's not, you know, you almost expect watching the amount of American media that we watch, them to be really focused on football and not yeah, basketball. The NFL is really, really big over there. Like, being a quarterback is the, the ultimate pinnacle. You wouldn't think it's so much as being basketball. Yeah, it's like hurling is here, or rugby. Oh, the guy. <laughs> yeah, except we treat it with a little bit more open contempt. <laughs> But anyway, like, again, this is another thing that makes sense on a surface level. If, you know, if you're... If your school was really, really into its sports and like mm. half of the people you knew had some sort of involvement with the sports ball 
kind of thing. You know? I, I don't know. I yeah, think, like... I think because we're Irish, this is not a thing that we get as much. Uh, like, I remember when I was in secondary school, as, I, as you said, the, the hurling was such a big thing that everybody in the school had to be interested in it and we were forced to go to like all the GAA games and things Ugh. and if you didn't if you didn't have any interest in it you were almost ostracized that I was like oh you're not one of those people you don't support the team how dare you so everybody was almost indoctrinated into loving hurling and even if you didn't you lied about it and said you loved it <laughs> okay yeah that's uh, that is not the experience i had but then i went to a very large um secondary school the, that was the second secondary school i went to the first one was an all girls school so um we couldn't care less about sports there was 19 20 people in our graduating class so uh we were small. We were very small. So, we, although I did go to secondary school in a tiny, tiny town, so yeah, it makes a little bit of it makes a little bit more sense then for um your school to be very focused on sports. It made a lot less sense for our school to be very focused on sports. I actually, and in fairness, I'm from Kilkenny, so yeah, that that that's fair enough. It's like um, it's the the American equivalent of. What's that one that Tom Brady plays for? I don't know. Ah, uh, the Patriots. There you go. It's like the Irish equivalent of the the Patriots. The Boston. Boston. I. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. know. But yeah, it's it's kind of like that in Kilkenny. We're very very into our hurling because we're just known for it down there. So I think I have an unfair assessment of it. <laughs> fair enough but yeah like that like you can imagine that if you went to a school where they're very focused on one particular sport and half the people you know have some sort of involvement in that sport then it might play a factor in your hallucinations especially if you're thinking about you know oh man it was you know the year in school when the captain of the basketball team uh, went off with this girl who was like a science nerd and they did a musical together. It's like, it would be one of those really weird things that would stick in your mind for whatever reason. You know? Because there, yeah. there are weird things that happen in school that you recall. Yeah. Wait. I can recall an awful lot of weird things that happened that I'd rather not go into. <laughs> Yeah, see, none of them are ever like the scandal level of uh, the captain of the basketball team falling for a science nerd. It's uh, usually more along the lines of somebody got really, really drunk in class one time or... Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, moving very swiftly on. Um, so one of the most famous songs of the films is that stick to the status quo thing. Where all the characters are like, oh, I'm going to come clean about the fact that I have another interest beside the one interest that everybody knows that I have. You know, I, I like two things at the same time. And it's such a it's such a scandal that everybody sings about it and say, no, no, you're you're not allowed like two things. You have to like only one thing. You remember that one, don't That's you? That's kind of like a trope it's such a trope like they've done it in a few ones like wasn't that entangled as well 
Huh? Like that kind of song where it's like, oh, everybody knows me for being a ruffian, but secretly I like potpourri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and actually. It's a, it's a trope, a Disney trope, I think. Yeah, that's a, that is a good point. They're like, um, hey, hey, kids, you don't have to just like one thing. You can like a grand total of two things. Anymore and you're exiled. <laughs> <laughs> Anymore and you're a supervillain. <laughs> anyway, um, but you see, there's one group in that number and they are very clearly caricatures of stoners. All right. They, they're made out like, oh, these are the skateboard kids. They sit on this table and, and they have skateboards and they're all about their skating and everything. I'm just No, no, that's the stoner corner. It's very clearly the stoner corner. And even the guy that pipes up to go, hey, what's a cello? When your man says, uh, I'm not just a, a skateboarder. I like playing the cello as well. And your man goes, what's a cello? I've never heard of this in my entire life. <laughs> like, <laughs> is there people out there that have no idea what a cello is? I don't know. Maybe some toddlers that I know of. I, I'll ask the next toddler that I see if they know what a cello is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, there's probably some people out there or maybe, you know, they're, bra they're so, just so brain dead from being stoners that they have momentarily forgotten what a cello is. Maybe. It is like, oh man. That's such a big violin. <laughs> I don't know. May maybe we're just unusually well-educated. Maybe. maybe. Maybe this entire film is just an indictment against the American school system. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. That's, a, that's a, a touchy subject. That's yeah, that, that actually... Do in America. That veers <laughs> uncomfortably close to any kind of politics, so we'd better stop right now. But the point that I was trying to make is that the stoner that pipes up actually does look a bit like Jesse. Huh. Yeah. He's exaggerated and he's got a different hair colour. But facially, he's quite similar. But you know the way in your dreams, if you're actually a person in your dreams, if you're seeing it from your mind's eye, you, you don't really look like yourself. You always look a bit different. It's almost an uncanny valley of yourself. Yeah, I mean, in a whole bunch of dreams I've had where I was, in fact, the main character, I had a moustache. Hmm. Like, I was an actual woman still, but I also had a very luxurious handlebar moustache. I don't know what that's supposed to symbolise. But, you know, I, I think that's his, his placement in the dream. He's observing everything else, but he does get to say one thing about what's a cello. Because he himself does not know what a cello is. He's too high to remember it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's where he is. We never see him again. We don't see him in the second film. We don't see him in the third film. But at the same time, the cliques have kind of broken apart. There's, like, people in the cliques that have moved from where they were and are kind of part of the Wildcat Bunch now, even though they've no real interest in basketball. Although it does seem that later on in the other films they have been indoctrinated into the world of basketball indoctrinated into the cult it was only a matter of time <laughs> pretty much yeah um but we're going to talk a little bit about the second film which takes place in a country club 
And all of the characters, all of the important characters have gotten summer jobs there. Now, not this stoner guy that we think might be Jesse. He's not there. But you can imagine a country club would be the kind of place that he would go to every now and then to either sell or score something. Because... Mm, Surprisingly enough, some of the biggest druggies out there are actually the country club people. Not only that, the, but people... The fancy, the fancy folk. Yeah, and, and not only that, but people who work in kitchens. Yeah. Like, if you ever read that, um, uh, there was a book that Anthony Bourdain wrote years and years ago about stuff that kitchen staff in restaurants got up to. A lot of drugs. <laughs> Lots of drugs. It tastes so good. No, it's it's most, mostly the pace of the kitchen running around with knives and uh, having to do things by degrees and everything. You know, um, there, there was a thing that somebody, like a professional chef, said that when she's home, whenever she's cooking something just for herself at home and she's walking around, she'll just shout out, uh, come in with a knife. Because she has to say that in the kitchen at work. She doesn't have to say it to anybody at home because nobody's around but she does it anyway just automatically because you have to announce everything that you're doing because it's so dangerous yeah because i'd imagine going at high speed around with say proper chef's knives you would end up stabbing somebody completely yeah there's a lot of horrible things can happen to you in the kitchen so you have to be able to be very much on the ball and therefore using a lot of performance enhancing drugs would absolutely be a thing yeah completely and uh you know if you've got your regular hookup who drives up to the country club every now and then just to make sure that you're well supplied and he's kind of you know standing around in the parking lot and there he sees oh there's all the kids from school i wonder what they're doing here oh there's a talent show that'll explain it <laughs> they're doing talent show bollocks <laughs> yeah. there's there's no musical in the second film at all it's it is actually more the second film is more about basketball than the first film was which is kind of weird but it's just like in jesse's mind he's already caricaturized these people as the basketball people who also happen to have something to do with a musical and so he still imagines them all just bursting into terrible, terrible songs. And then there's the whole, like, the best song in all three films, just because it comes out of nowhere and it is so weird, is Bet On It. Bet on it, bet on it, bet on it, bet on it. Which now you all remember is, uh, hi, I'm Zac Efron and this is how you walk sassy. You gotta work it, work it, work it fierce. Oh, God. <laughs> Zac Efron. <laughs> Listen, Zac Efron... Um, Earned back so much of my respect when he played Ted Bundy. So uh, yeah, he like he's actually a great actor. He's very underappreciated. I yeah, think. do you know the first thing I ever actually saw him in wasn't High School Musical. It was Hairspray. He was great in Hairspray. He was very good in Hairspray. He was also very good in The Greatest Showman. Yeah, he was actually. Now that I think about it, um, but yeah, he was like he made a very convincing Ted Bundy. Like, he had that real superficial charm, and it's almost like he brought that superficial charm directly from High School Musical. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the way Christian Bale said that he based a lot of his performance in American Psycho on Tom Cruise. <laughs> I can definitely see it. Yeah. Uh, well, as a Disney actor, you, you're kind of trained to 
be that very artificial all smiles dead behind the eyes kind of look like that's why Miley Cyrus ended up doing so many drugs as well when she was at Hannah Montana like yeah it's very kind of uncanny so Zac Efron going on to play in Ted Bundy would work so well because he probably know what that fake charismatic smile thing how to do it really well i guess yeah completely but then yeah it it also then makes sense that like all of the characters in high school musical are so superficial it's because they're not real people they're dream people that would make sense yeah you think of the creepy smiles people have if you're having a nightmare yeah kind of like uh you remember the video that um system of down made for black hole sun no. That is Soundgarden that did the... Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just lost so much street cred if I had any to begin with. Uh, sorry, you're cancelled. <laughs> I'm going to have to write a post about you on Tumblr cancelling you. <laughs> no, do you know what, though? It's it's nice that you corrected me on something, though. Yeah, finally! <laughs> <laughs> the tables have turned! From now on, you'll be the one coming up with the theories, and I'll be the one going, wow, really? And then I bet you there's going to be somebody that's like, it wasn't Soundgarden, it was like audio or something like that. Well, I think 100% it was Soundgarden. No, you, you're right, it was actually Soundgarden. It, it, it wasn't System of Down. I don't know why I thought of System of Down. As soon as because, the words were out of my mouth, I knew I was wrong. Because System of a Down had another music video that was kind of similar uh well not similar but they had the same creepy smile situation going on so i think it was for aerials aerials they had a very creepy little girl that had a really weird smile so you could have been thinking of that maybe maybe yeah maybe i don't know i I was never really um like i i liked some of the music but i was never a hardcore metal fan so Uh, as i said in my in my teenage high school years i was in fact a goth so a goth emo a bad one but uh i gave it a solid attempt and i was really into system up down and my chemical romance as well because i think everybody was <laughs> <laughs> i was too old for my chemical romance and they became a big thing you're never too old for my chemical romance <laughs> no i i definitely was about the time they were becoming big i was moving into a different phase of my life but anyway moving very swiftly on um like we haven't actually talked very much about breaking bad at yes. all but you see where i see this theory coming is it is more about high school musical than it is about breaking bad because in breaking bad jesse's life is absolutely crap yes you know he's been abandoned by his family he's graduated but nobody seems to care he's got no jobs got no future and everything is just against him and then his girlfriend dies and that's even like it it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and the most kind of I mean, you could kind of say that the best thing that ever happened to him was that Walter White got involved in his life, but, you know, it was a peak. Things got better, and then things got worse. Yeah, I wouldn't say Walter White getting involved in your in your life was uh, a good road. No, I mean, it did, it did eventually lead to him kind of leaving everything behind and going to start a new life. And that would have been good if it hadn't been for the amount of people around him that died. Yeah, but not a fun time. But you know, the alternative is maybe someday just overdosing himself. True. Uh, 
and if we were taking this from like this is all the point of view of Jesse's subconscious these are the things that he's thinking about when he's at in a state of bliss is this incredibly superficial memory of his time in high school when things weren't complicated people were only allowed to like one thing maybe two things at a bit of a push and everybody's problems could be solved by singing about it yeah nobody died yeah so like his his dreams are very squeaky clean they're very aspirational they're very superficial full stop um now another thing is you'd imagine that walter white might pop up in his hallucinations every now and then because walter did teach at the school now the school in high school musical it's really nebulous they give it the name east high which you know this is a basic mcschool basic school yeah, for boys it's like a chain of schools. completely like, yeah so maybe he just couldn't remember the name of the school i mean like obviously i remember the name of the schools i went to but i'd have to think about it it doesn't just immediately come to me like how there's so many presentation schools yeah there's like one in every county there is a presentation school so. yeah completely and and then there's like the Nina's and stuff like that but um but it, like it's a it's a different situation in america because they've got several schools and they all have quite generic names if they're not named after somebody they're like uh, this is pch this is prep 101 I, I i don't know what the names are but they're all fairly generic so you know east high that's a generic throw it out there name maybe he couldn't remember that it was called um jp Wynn school but in the high school musical you see a grand total of three teachers one of them is miss darbus who is the director of the musical there's the basketball coach who is uh, troy bolton's dad uh, so they're both heavily involved in the plot there you also then see the science teacher but the science teacher in this case is a woman and she is very heavily pregnant hmm. now Jesse in Breaking Bad has more than once mentioned that he has a thing for MILFs. <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. Um, carry on. No, he just replaced Mr. White with a MILF that he liked better. Um, Could it be a subconscious thing that he looks up to Walter White so much that he's just remembering, like, Oh, I love this thing so much. Wait a second. And he's just subjecting it onto Walter White in this really weird fetish. Well, I wasn't going there, but you did. So let's talk about it. Um, no, no, I just thought it was a sort of a simplified down thing in that, you know, he's in the space of mind that he's in. Somebody is either doing one thing or they're doing something else. And Walter White is his meth cooking partner. So can't be his high school chemistry teacher so he has to replace walter with somebody else so maybe she wasn't the science teacher maybe she was like the maths teacher and he just remembers her thinking ah or, yeah she she was or, a milf wait for this you said that she was heavily pregnant which would mean that she would have to go on maternity leave at some point yes that too if walter white took off over her when she went on maternity leave... Actually, it has just occurred to me that I think um, Walter White was a substitute teacher. There you go! We're, we're connecting their pins here, Sinead. <laughs> oh, oh my God. came in after she went on maternity leave. 
Possibly. And I mean, if we're saying the kids in high school musical are, this is when they're about 15 and 16. Mm. And they graduated then when they were 18. Like in the second and the third film, you didn't see the teachers as in you didn't see the other teachers besides the coach and the musical teacher. Yeah. So he could he could have slipped in there, yeah. It's all coming together. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I I think we have pushed this theory about as far as it can possibly go. Is is there anything that you have to say? Or feel the need Um, to say? Drugs are bad. Don't do them. Um unless they're prescription. Unless they're prescription and your doctor told you to. And uh yeah, don't don't do drugs. Don't even drink really that much. Like just maybe the odd one, but you know, be being a clean living is so much more fun. Don't don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Okay. Yeah, have more than one interest. Have one more than one interest. Uh, basketball is apparently one hell of a drug. <laughs> uh, and you can solve all of your problems by bursting into song. Uh, this has been Life Lessons uh, from Crackpot Theories uh, I'm sorry <laughs> no it's okay do you want to sign us off yes uh, this has been Crackpot Theories I'm very very sorry uh, the podcast where the truth is out there and um, it's so much better if you don't do drugs the end <laughs> <laughs> okay goodbye Bye.